0: BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. That's not plugged in. That's the problem. All right, that wasn't plugged in. I haven't got my shit in order. Now let's plug that. Hello, I'm Louis Theroux. And welcome to my podcast series for BBC Radio 4, Grounded with Louis Theroux. Yeah, uh, here he is. Where I get to talk to people who, like me, are locked down and confined to the home people I've been keen to meet.
1: I just saw he followed me on Twitter. I was like, why? (laughs) Why has he followed me on Twitter?
0: Only now we meet remotely using video conferencing software. So we're all set, but we've lost JJ. Never mind. Sorry, no, I'm here, I'm here. And each of us records our half of the conversation. I'm recording. Yeah, yeah, I'm recording. Today, my guest is an online star whose videos on YouTube have been seen more than five hours billion times. That's billion with a B. A prankster, a gamer, the winner of the largest non-professional boxing match of all time, and now a successful rap artist. His name is Olegide Olotunji, known as JJ to his friends and KSI to his millions of fans. Thanks for doing this, JJ. No, thank you, man. I called you JJ, because I think in my emails I said KSI. I assumed that's what you went by, but it seems that most of your friends and people who work with you know you as JJ. Would that be yeah, right? Yeah, is
1: fine. It's kind of weird when people call me KSI, but I guess KSI is what a lot of people know me by. So,
0: Because the first time I heard of you was when you, you boxed Logan Paul. I think I'd heard of Logan Paul, the famous YouTuber, because of the scandal that followed yeah. from... <laughs> an incident where he did a culturally insensitive and actually highly tasteless video in Japan where he filmed a a man who'd committed suicide in the woods. That was the first time I'd heard of Logan Paul. Then fast forward a year or two, and I heard that there was this big deal on the internet, my kids were buzzing about it, KSI's boxing Logan Paul, and I didn't know you at that point. And so that's when the name KSI came onto my radar. Do you think of them as two different identities in any way? KSI is a lot more of a
1: public image thing, whereas JJ is a lot more like my normal side. With posting stuff video-wise and online, etc., you have to be a lot more entertaining. If I was just like this the whole time, a lot of people wouldn't switch on. KSI allows me to just be kind of myself, but just bigger, just more, and just like more outlandish with everything that I do.
0: Let me ask you this, though. How are you doing in the lockdown? Based on what I know about your routine, which seems to be getting up at two in the afternoon and then gaming and sending out for Deliveroo, that is basically the kind of recommended lifestyle in the COVID era.
1: I mean, yeah. Right now, a lot of YouTubers are thriving because, if anything, it's what they've been doing from the beginning. (laughs) So they're putting more content out now, just posting constantly and streaming a lot as well just to... Boost their views boost their status et etc online
0: my kids say you've been posting quite a bit at the risk of alienating the Radio 4 audience early on I think you've got into some beef with someone called rice gum
1: oh wow yeah yeah you're very clued up I mean we've got a little bit of a thing going on <laughs> he used to be an old friend of mine but he's not saying the right things and he's publicly trying to shame me so you know I had to uh, clap back. He's based where? L.A.? He's based in L.A., yes.
0: So he's a YouTuber. To be completely honest, I'd never heard of him until yesterday. (laughs) What's the 10-word biography on RiceGum? He
1: is a YouTuber that flexes his money a lot and makes diss tracks on kids and other people.
0: He makes diss tracks, i.e. translation... He does record oh, records. Oh, now I sound like a total boomer. Yeah. He basically makes music in which he starts
1: fights or settles scores. Yeah, this that's pretty much what Ricegum does. But with me, I know a lot about Ricegum. And that's why I'm kind of like trying to tell him through videos that he doesn't really want to war with me because I can literally just shut him down like instantly if I need to. Whenever I want to attack someone, I go in quite hard. And make sure I stay on top. So I think it's best that he doesn't try to come at me. But we'll see. We'll see what he wants to do.
0: Interesting. I won't try and pick away at that too much. I feel as though you've got some material or um, weaponry up your <laughs> sleeve in your arsenal, <laughs> and yeah. uh, you don't want to divulge it. And actually, for the, you know, everyone knows what YouTube is. It's an online streaming platform where people upload their own videos. Hmm. And then there's YouTubers, and they're absolutely huge. And, and among them is yourself. Yeah, You're one of the biggest in the world. I mean, you can actually figure out rankings based on how many subscribers you have. Yeah,
1: right? PewDiePie is another one that's quite big.
0: We'd have to say... With all due respect, PewDiePie's the biggest. Yes, yes. He's got, forgive me for having the information at my fingertips, 104 million subscribers. Yeah. <laughs> it's, when I just checked. It is crazy. You come a little way down from that with a very respectable, correct me if I'm <laughs> wrong, 21.3 million.
1: So that's just on one of my channels, yeah.
0: So if you added the other channel, but they might be doubling up, so it's hard to get hard it's data. It's true, it is true. But e- either way... Among YouTubers, people who basically post regularly and whose celebrity or artistry depends upon them creating content for YouTube, in the gaming-slash-comedy-slash-music space, you're easily top ten, would you say, worldwide?
1: Why, is a YouTuber, that does, what, boxing
0: and music? Well, boxing... then you're getting quite niche (laughs) put boxing in there fine then you'd be number one wouldn't you Then, then I'll be
1: number one yeah no if it's just YouTube and music yeah I'd say I'm top 10
0: you're doing about a video a day at the moment yeah currently when a video drops like you must have a sense of as I do if I put a program out what I hope it will get in its ratings right what are you looking for
1: well view wise I guess have you heard of Social Blade no Okay, so it's a website which allows you to see how many views someone gets daily. So, like, for instance, yesterday I got, like, 4 million views. The day before I got 2.5 million, but that's because I didn't post a video. And then the day before I got 5 million, the day before that 4.8 million. And pretty much a lot of people look at this, and for YouTubers, a lot of YouTubers don't just look at how many views... A YouTuber gets per video, they like to see how many views they get monthly. If you're hitting a 100 million views monthly, that's, like, huge. That's when people go, OK, he is the YouTuber that is killing the game. There's a lot of YouTubers that have, like, 20 million subscribers or 10 million subscribers, but they can only get about 20 to 30 million a month. Subscribers doesn't really mean anything anymore. Got you.
0: No, that yeah. makes sense. It's like you can have the pipes, but unless stuff's coming down the pipes... Yeah. What does it mean? Exactly. We started by talking about a beef that you were having with rice gum. Yeah. Okay, my perspective on this is like... Because I've done stories on wrestling. I'm also a fan of rap going way back to the 90s and even late 80s.
1: Yeah. I think I've seen a clip of you actually like doing a freestyle. <laughs>
0: Very probably. <laughs> and if this is going to segue into an offer to guests... On a track with you, all reasonable offers are considered, (laughs) featuring my rap name, King Lou E. Uh, I've seen you've collaborated with Trippy Red, who I'm also a fan of, and I actually do like your music. I I was surprised, to be honest with you, I sort of thought you just don't expect a YouTuber to be capable of making really good music. But we can talk about that in a minute because what we were talking Mm. about was whether I was going to guest on a track of yours, and the answer is, yes, I will. Thank you for that. (laughs) No, what we were talking about was... What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, this world of beefs, right? And in wrestling, I think I'm, I'm not shattering anyone's illusions about wrestling when I say that the feuds in wrestling are confected. They're not completely real, right? Yeah. So when I see YouTuber feuds, I'm thinking, okay, there might be something real in this, but there's also something performative about it it's been mm. heightened or partly it's a gimmick
1: with me they're all real <laughs> so I've had beef with some of my even friends to this day so I had a little beef with the sidemen
0: that was the I- posse that you when you were coming up you there were the seven of you is that right yes yes me saying I
1: was leaving the sidemen It was me just trying to, you know, rattle stuff, some things.
0: You know, I'm just conscious. I said, that's the posse that you came up with. Like, that would make sense to the general listener. I don't know that it really will. You had a group of friends who were also YouTubers, right? Yes. And for a while you lived in a house together. Yeah. Were you in each other's videos and stuff? Yeah,
1: yeah, we were in each other's videos. We came up together. Like, we've been doing... Simon videos for years now,
0: and it was organic. It wasn't put yes, together by management.
1: All organic. We're all just friends, and uh, we thought, "Oh, this would be a good idea." Obviously, we have fights. We have this and that. It got quite personal with a lot of the diss tracks. A lot of people were like watching this and going, "Ooh, I don't know if this is real or not," because they're kind of going in, like they're really like going quite deep with the stuff that they're talking about. But at the and same
0: time, you must be conscious that it drives views and clicks, well, right?
1: Well, that's another another reason why a lot of us jumped on it because we saw there was just views in it. But uh, with me, in the back of my head, I was like, I know this would do views, but then I was also thinking I need to show that I'm musically better, rapping-wise I'm better, and then with the dirt, I needed to find things that were better to make sure that when I do release this, it's a banger as well as... Will get views, etc.
0: What was the first beef you got into as a YouTuber?
1: The first beef was actually a guy called Rucker Rucker. And this guy just made like the most outrageous music, racist music, literally just everything you wouldn't normally talk about. He would like make a song about it. Black people are the reason why they're struggling themselves and all of this and that. And, you know, he would just say the N-word, left, right and centre and all that. Where's he from? He's a white American, I believe. (laughs) So how did you get into beef with him? I believe I was just reacting to one of his videos and I was just like, this is ridiculous, outrageous. Because you do reaction videos sometimes, right? Yeah, Where
0: it's you looking at content online Mm. and just spontaneously reacting right? Yes.
1: I saw his content and I was like, this is ridiculous. How can someone make content like this? And then he saw that and made a a diss track on me. (laughs) So I had to clap back and I hit him with a diss track of my own. And yeah, it it got a good amount of views, but like, it was just one of those things where I didn't think of it like, oh, I'm going to get views. It was just like a thing I saw, I thought it was outrageous and I wanted to speak on it.
0: So was that like an aha moment for you because obviously the internet and especially social media thrives on conflict I realize you're not defined by districts and beefs but it's obviously yeah. the feuds have been a big part of of how you've propelled yourself I'm just wondering oh, yeah, was that a sort of moment of realization or did it grow more gradually
1: I think it's a bit of both it's one of those things where it kind of just gradually happened hmm. obviously the bigger you get the more attention you get and the more chance of someone wanting to, you know, disrespect you or come at you for views. So I started to realise this and use it to my favour, if that makes sense. Obviously, with the whole me boxing, I hit up Joella. So Joella is a guy who started this whole boxing thing on YouTube.
0: He's another YouTuber. I don't know much about his content. He doesn't really post as much now. I think that's
1: also because of the outcome of the fight, it kind of mentally broke him and put him in a weird spot.
0: Did it? Has he been public about that? Yes. And he had pre-existing mental health issues. I learned from watching a documentary on this that he struggled, I guess, at one point with depression. And yeah. you thought you yeah. were making light of that in some of the lead-up to the fight.
1: Obviously, you know, I regret doing that. But at the time, obviously, I was having a beef with him so I wanted to try and get under his skin. And I was like, oh, I needed to figure out what his triggers were. So you've got to remember, this was a guy that was seen as a tough guy on YouTube. That's why he wanted to fight his mate, Malfoy. And then that's why I also I was like, oh, I'll fight the winner as a joke. I didn't actually want to fight him because, again, I saw Joe as this big guy who was always in shape. Obviously, he took my message seriously. And I told him, I, I actually don't want to fight. It was just a joke. But he would make videos, and then he would call me out saying I was a pussy this, blah, blah, blah. Really? So, to... so
0: there was a time when you were communicating to him early on that actually you hadn't really meant it seriously. Yeah,
1: yeah I didn't know how to box.
0: <laughs> I didn't know Had how to box. Had you been athletic at school? Had you No, been... no, 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 no. Like... You weren't a sporty
1: kid? <laughs> I wasn't a sporty kid. I was very introverted. Much rather just be indoors, play ping pong with my friends, or play on the N64. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I didn't want to fight, I didn't want to box. I had no reason to be in there. So, you had
0: no aspirations to be any sort of combatant.
1: No, literally, like the only boxing fight I'd watched was the Mayweather versus Pacquiao fight, Mm. and I was like, I don't get it. This is such a boring fight. Obviously, now I understand how insane Mayweather is, but at the time, like, I didn't get any of the whole boxing aspect. So yeah, when it came to the whole boxing, I just didn't want to be a part of it. But YouTube culture is one of those things where you have to like pay attention to it, because if the majority of people are saying this has to be done, it's hard to go against it. I tried to ignore it, I tried to, you know, just say I don't want to fight him. It's hard when everyone <laughs> on your Twitter and on your comments and on your videos are calling you a pussy saying, fight Joella, fight Joella, jo- fight Joella. So it got to the point where we we're like, yeah, okay, let's start this fight. So we both trained, we trained hard. I never knew how to fight, but uh, yeah, I learned <laughs> the hard way. I realized how tough, how tough boxing is. I got myself into insane shape. I worked hard, pushed myself to the brink, and, yeah, I destroyed Joella in three rounds, TKO.
0: Technical knockout. And there's a documentary on YouTube that follows the whole adventure, which is actually a well-made film and and, and a good watch. What becomes clear is that something that started as, as you say, more or less a joke becomes very serious. Yes, exactly. And, And it's something extraordinary about taking that journey from kind of the echo chamber of the internet in which as much as you know there's millions of people there their presence isn't really real and then arriving at a venue where there's thousands of people there in the flesh yes it's an extraordinary energy isn't it and there's a feeling of like oh wow these people are all real people and yeah this is happening
1: i think what helped me was years before that i had done a lot of shows with my music i've been doing music for like 10 plus years so And that got me comfortable with performing in front of crowds. And I think that was one of Joe Weller's downfalls. This is the first time he's ever performed in front of a crowd. And he had to box (laughs) in front of thousands of people staring at you and then millions online. It was quite daunting for him. I think that's also why once I beat him like that, that's one of the reasons why it kind of just flipped his whole world upside down. Because... Everyone saw Joe Weller as this big, tough, athlete, strong guy. And now everyone's kind of just was a bit confused as to what he was now. And I think Joe Weller felt that as well. And unfortunately, what he should have done is just kept pushing forward. He just stopped. He literally posted one video after the fight saying, congrats, KSI, blah, 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 this, blah, blah, that. And that got so many, I think that got like seven, eight million views. And then, yeah, he just left. He just went on holiday and just left YouTube.
0: Because there's two ways of framing this. One is, you know, obviously the build-up to the fight, your preparation and the intensity of knowing that you're going to have this bout that will be physically very demanding and quite intimidating, I would have thought. At the same time, though, you must have been aware that he was getting so many clicks and so much traction that the level of excitement, that whatever the outcome, you'd happened upon something Mm. extraordinary in terms of, how people were engaging with it. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, yeah. For me, like, it definitely gassed me up. It excited me. This many people were going to be watching me and I was going to, I guess, entertain them through boxing. But it's also kind of scary at the same time because it's like, if I lose, I knew this was going to be detrimental to my really. Even though, career. Even like,
0: though yeah. the publicity would have been immense either way?
1: But it would have been the wrong publicity. Like, everyone would have seen me as a loser and then I would have changed how the type of music you I serious? would be able to make. Why I, would you I'm, have to I'm very make serious. different music? Like, Well, with my music, my music is very powerful. Right. One of my songs on my album, it's called Undefeated. <laughs>
0: right, you would the not song have is been called able Undefeated. Like, to release a track called Undefeated. I can't make
1: again. a song called Undefeated. I make music to try and build people and, you know, make, them feel powerful in themselves and believe in themselves. I knew I couldn't lose. That's why I call the doc can't lose because I knew if I lost, it would just ruin me. It would ruin everything that I've worked for. It was literally my whole the legacy. the thing though, I feel like fire, I'm going to therapy mode.
0: Everyone loses in life. Oh, okay. Everyone loses.
1: I know, I know. I definitely lose 100%. I lose a lot of the time, but I lose in the shadows, if that makes sense. I I lose where people don't see.
0: (laughs) I lose in the shadows. Could be your next album. (laughs) Oh, you never know. (laughs) There we go. So then, I don't want to make it all about boxing, but then you go out and call out Logan Paul and his brother Jake Paul, these two other prominent American YouTubers, saying that you want to fight one of them. That must have been something you prepped. You decided you were going to do that. Why?
1: So I knew that Logan and Jake had an American audience especially because of Logan. Logan had the whole Suicide Forest thing, so he needed something to take away the attention.
0: You're from... not going to say you were trying to do him a favour?
1: No, 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 no. no. I was trying to be calculated with what I do. So I was like, OK, I have a huge UK audience, but my American audience is lacking, so how can I find a way to reach out to that American audience I knew one of them was were gonna take it because I knew their egos were just huge. Jake <laughs> didn't want any of it. He was too busy doing whatever the hell he wants to do. And Logan was there desperate. He was like, screw it, let's do it. And, and he's then, six yeah.
0: feet two and he's yeah, got fine. huge arm muscles. I mean he's yeah, physically yeah. very intimidating. Yeah, I was the on the dog. <laughs>
1: People saw me and they was like, There is no way you are beating Logan. There's no chance. Nope, not happening. After the fight, I was like, he's a lot bigger in person. (laughs) Like, I knew after the first fight what I needed to do to beat him for the second fight. Yeah, obviously in the second fight, he just was a shell of what he was in the first fight. And uh, yeah, I just broke him down and got the
0: victory. We're already a third of the way through this podcast. By the way, you're listening to Grounded with me, Louis Theroux. And it's about time we went back to the beginning, how KSI got his start. I wanted to find out what it was that allowed him to build his original fan base on YouTube.
1: I was about 14, 14, 15 when I started. It started with gaming videos. You started
0: doing gaming videos. Obviously, what's sort of interesting about YouTube, among other things, is it's not really curated in an obvious way. You don't depend on a channel controller or a commissioner to say, oh, we're interested in you. We're going to give you some money to make a bunch of programs. It's very democratic. Mm. Anyone in his own home or her own home can upload a video yeah. and just see how many clicks they get, how many views they get and take it from there. From that beginning, like you didn't get headhunted by anyone. No one from YouTube came and said, hey, we want to give you yeah. a channel you just started uploading videos right
1: yeah i just did it all on my own because i just enjoyed it it was fun there wasn't any money at the time when i started it was just something i thought was cool i like playing games i like playing fifa i like doing skills and showing people that i was you know pretty skillful on the sticks (laughs) so i thought it was just cool just to post content of that
0: and you've said that you were quite introverted you were growing up in watford is that right yeah parents Are they both from Nigeria, from Lagos? Yes,
1: both from Nigeria.
0: When did they come over to the UK?
1: Oh, I'm definitely going to mess this up, but my mum was born in England and then she went back to Nigeria when she was around seven and then she came back to England when she was about 20-something. My dad was born in Nigeria and he came over when he was around 18, 19.
0: Did I read that your dad was a manager at a bingo hall? Yeah, yeah, so he was a bingo manager. And your mum was?
1: So my mum kind of just did a few random jobs just to, you know, help out with my dad. And
0: they managed to send you to a private school, that's right, isn't it?
1: Yeah. They were the people that worked so hard with everything that they did. They wouldn't go to parties They wouldn't, you know, spend money on pointless things. They would literally just save and save and save. And they put all their money into us. You know, they saw that the whole property market thing was booming at the time. And at that point, that's when they decided to take out a load of loans to try and buy as many properties as they could and then rent them out and then use that money to allow them to fund us to go to a private school. And, yeah, they just kept getting loans. And back then, it was really easy to get loans.
0: This was before the 2008 crash, right? So, yeah, the property market was going like gangbusters.
1: Yeah. So my parents just took advantage of that and put us in private school.
0: But I have the impression maybe you didn't feel like you really fitted in there. Uh, No, no, I definitely didn't. (laughs) Out of the whole
1: school, like there was a boys' school and a girls' school, there was only two black people and... I was one of them. <laughs> the other was Liam. Liam also was quite extroverted, so he kind of got along better than I did. I was quite introverted, and I just kept to myself. I didn't really know how to communicate. Really, like if I ever saw like a girl, I would just start sweating. I, I just was so shy. I was just so timid. I was just just a shell. A lot of my friends in school. Would never have guessed I'd be who I am today. I was nerdy. I was wearing glasses. I had a gap tooth. My my mum would do my hair. We save as much money as possible, just allow me to, allow me and my bro just to do well in school. And then they kind of just banked on us being the providers of the family, if that makes sense. So that's also why (laughs) when I failed my A levels, they just. Lost their shit. <laughs> what were you studying at A level? Oh man, I picked like the hardest subjects. So I did maths, I did economics, philosophy, and I did history. Wow, four. It was one of those things where I didn't really know what I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. And my parents were like, You have to pick something. You have to pick to become a lawyer, or a doctor, etc., etc. So I was just like, Okay, well, I guess I'll pick just to. To have all bases covered.
0: So what happened in your A-levels?
1: The whole YouTuber it just took over. And I just tried to balance both. And I did it with the GCSEs. But then with the A-levels, it's just a different ball game. Like, you can't balance the gaming and the YouTube with A-levels.
0: Already, by this time, you'd been uploading content onto YouTube?
1: Yes, yes.
0: And did you have many followers when you took your um, A-levels? What were you at?
1: maybe around, like, fifty, twenty thousand, 20,000, something like that. It, was, it wasn't it was huge, but... Well, I thought it was huge at the time.
0: Maybe yeah. some part of you realised that your heart was in the YouTubing and not in the studies. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. you'd, you'd made the decision.
1: Yeah, but it's one of those things where, obviously, my parents had saved up, worked hard to put us in private school and to make us go into university to be a lawyer, a doctor, etc., for me to just turn my back on them and just go, no, I want to do this, is very conflicting because obviously I don't want to let my parents down, but it was a couple of years of just struggling with that. But eventually I decided, you know what, screw it. I'm going to make them proud through the whole YouTube. <laughs> as long as I can get rid of all their debt and make their lives comfortable, that's all that matters. And, you know, obviously now it's, it's, it's good, so...
0: So when you got your A-levels, you said they lost their shit?
1: Yes. <laughs> I remember, oh man, I remember um, I was sitting down on the toilet uh, with my phone. They texted me my results and I shat myself. Literally what were the results? And I think it was like C, D, F and U.
0: You is the famous unclassified, I yeah, think. Is the, so I which got means that. you did so badly, they don't really know what to do with it. it? <laughs> I never really knew what you meant.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I got that in maps. I remember I looked at the page and I was like, what is this? I don't know any of this. I wrote my name and I was like, right, that will do. My mom just screamed. I've never seen her scream so loud. And she was just throwing glasses everywhere. My dad was just disappointed my dad just looked on the ground and he just didn't know what to say or do he just everything we've worked for has just come to nothing so i don't know it was it was quite hard it just crushed me
0: because you've got to figure they've dedicated their lives their finances to making this dream come true that you're the hope Mm. of them succeeding i mean they're staked in the success in about three different ways at least right in terms of pride economics the whole idea of wanting you to do well. And, of course, they're yeah. not seeing YouTube as a viable profession. So you say to them, what, I'll try again? Or what do you say to them?
1: So I said, I'd, I, said I would try again, but Bergkampster didn't allow it. They just kicked me out. So I decided, "Oh well, my parents decided the next best thing was International Baccalaureate, that I should try that. <laughs> so I did that for a year and a half. Yeah, at that point, I was like, yeah, I want to do YouTube. YouTube is the one. <laughs> this IB thing ain't for me. Like, if anything, it's harder. <laughs> it was harder than A-levels. Really?
0: So you weren't feeling it. Yeah. And there's a story that comes up in interviews you've given where at uh, the point which you started making money on YouTube, right, and then you're talking to a yeah. teacher.
1: I remember I asked the teacher, like, this is how much I made this month. And it was how much? You said was 1,500. 1,500, mm-hmm. yeah. And I remember him telling me, that's more than I make. <laughs> I looked at that and I went, That's it. YouTube is the one. This is the gold mine and I need to push and push this because I know I can become something and make my parents proud. Yeah. And
0: so there was a point when they basically gave up. They yeah, they, they just gave up. They were
1: just like, screw it, you know what? You do you, you're on your own, essentially.
0: Earlier yeah. you mentioned well, you mentioned money. I always feel reluctant to talk money because it feels a bit vulgar. And yet, at the same time, for those who don't really understand YouTube, they do understand the language of money, right? Yeah, yeah. So, how old are you now? So, I'm 26. I mean, different figures are given, but one of the figures that turns up is that you're worth about 15 million pounds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does that sound about right? (laughs)
1: I guess. (laughs) I am wealthy, yes. I've been doing YouTube for 10 plus years. I have a lot of money coming from different angles and different areas. So it makes sense for me to be worth eight figures, yeah. But that's also because I invest a lot of my money as well. Like I have over 10 plus properties all scattered all across England. And I make sure to invest in stocks as well, stocks and shares. I have money, you know, in loads of areas.
0: It's said that you have a Lamborghini. I guess your first big track was about your Lamborghini.
1: I don't have a Lamborghini anymore. It's been I, uh, said that you
0: wrecked it. it. During <laughs> one of the beefs, <laughs> someone said, you don't see him in his Lambo anymore because he smashed it. Is that true? No, it's not.
1: It's not. So Harry made uh, this track on me, and that was like one of the lies he would say.
0: What I remember when say? that track came out because... I listened to Grime, and when yeah. I heard that, I thought, "Oh, this must be a new Grime artist rapping about his Lamborghini." I didn't expect oh, like wow. someone said, "Like, oh no, that's a kid who went to private school. He's kind of a geek, and he grew up gaming and coding." I think I would have said, "Pull the other one; it's got bells on." Yeah, like you don't fit the profile for
1: me. Like being able to get a Lamborghini was one of my like childhood things. Like I know I'll never be able to get it, and then when I was able to actually buy one. I thought it was insane. Yes, I did get it from me doing YouTube, but it wasn't through the AdSense. It was through... We should explain what AdSense...
0: Yeah. What is AdSense?
1: AdSense is how a lot of YouTubers make their money. It's pretty much advertisers putting money into videos as adverts. I guess YouTube get a cut and then YouTube give a cut to the content creator.
0: If you put out a video on YouTube and it gets, say, 5 million views in 24 hours, could you say how much revenue that's likely to generate
1: you could say roughly it'll make around i guess with a two cpm and make around ten thousand dollars what's a two cpm two cpm so that's two dollars per thousand views an average is two cpm nowadays it can go up to like 10 cpm depending on what content you produce so from five million you can make fifty thousand to ten thousand dollars
0: between ten and fifty thousand dollars.
1: It literally depends on the content you make. If you make really child friendly content, chances are you're gonna be making the fifty thousand.
0: As mentioned, my kids are big fans and I've sat down with them and enjoyed a lot of your content. Yeah. From the risk of sounding like a complete old fart, what okay. surprised me was how freely you swear. And I think that's partly because yeah. I've watched PewDiePie. Obviously, this other very established, famous YouTuber, he either doesn't swear or he seems to blur them out. You're dropping F-bombs, even C-bombs. Yeah, because it's just me. I I don't make content for kids.
1: <laughs> kids just watch it. I can't control who watches my content. I thought I might as well just be free and just be me. And this, this is how I am. I make content for older people. And I guess that's why I just don't bleep my swearing. I don't know. I just feel it's a bit kiddish.
0: I'm kind of conflicted on this because I listen to uh, a lot of rap, which has not just swear words, but offensive racial terms as well. And Mm. I read a lot that has all sorts of content. I'm not a believer in general in toning things down. On the other hand, it doesn't pain me so much. My teenagers are listening to it. It's because there's a five-year-old in the room, which is certainly not on your lookout. Like I'm not asking you to babysit my five-year-old when my kids are watching you on YouTube. But it's a classic situation in which, whereas on terrestrial TV, you have stuff that goes out after 9pm, for example, or yeah. you have certain ways of ring-fencing content, right? YouTube, it's in its very nature. Mm. It's out there, whatever time of day it is, and quite easily accessed. Accessible. I just wonder, though, what would happen if you sort of thought, oh, well, I will blur those out, or whatever the term would be, bleep them. What do you think would happen? Would that be onerous for you or you think it would dilute the the impact of the content?
1: I feel like it might impact the content and impact, you know, what I say.
0: You'd be saying the same things, but it might land with less power.
1: I just feel like it wouldn't be true to me as well because I'm putting out the content that I want to put out. Obviously, you know, I do know I'm a role model and especially in my music, try to make sure that I don't, rap about the wrong things. But I'm human. I'm you know, i going to make mistakes. And even with my diss tracks and all of this and that, I know I push the boundaries and I push the levels and I go further than I normally need to go. And I I definitely do stuff that kids will go or that parents will look at and go, what? But it's one of those things like, I'm not perfect. I can't please all this many people. It's just impossible. Well,
0: I, I hear that. And I think you're in the position of, having come to fame through a sense of being real, right? You are not someone who's attempting to be something that you're not. And, you know, yeah. from your real home and your real thoughts, and it's all presented yeah. more or less unfiltered. And I think that's a big part of yeah. I what guess people respond to. Who, well, I who you are and also how people respond to what you do, that they feel like yeah. they've got a personal relationship with you. Do you have a sense of how yeah. old most of your fans are?
1: No. I think it's very modelled now because of the music and the boxing. Before, I I would tell you, this is around 2017. Anyone under the age of 21 or
0: 22... How low, though? My 12-year-old is very into it, so at least 12, maybe 10? Maybe. (laughs) I have no idea. Like
1: I remember I had a 7-year-old come up to me saying he was a fan, and I was like, what are you doing watching my videos? And he was like, oh, because my parents just... Don't care. I can't help that. I can't stop that. And especially nowadays, if you tell people not to do something, they're going to do it.
0: Feel as though you've you've thwacked the ball back over the net into my side of the court. Now it's on me to make sure the five-year-olds out of the room and the two older ones, (laughs) they don't swear. They don't actually really swear. And I do think kids know the difference between what people say on TV or on the computer and what they're allowed to say around the home. That I agree with.
1: I feel like the internet definitely has made everyone grow up faster, if that makes sense. It's so easy at the click of a button. If a kid wants to find something out, they're going to find something out. You know, obviously parents can try the hardest to try and lock everything off, but eventually they're going to find out what they want to find out. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a parent. I have no idea on how I'm going to even, you know, look after kids and all that. I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be hard to try and stop them seeing certain things.
0: Well, listen, let's talk about that for a second, because when you were growing up, your parents were immensely protective. That they'd come from, I guess, a traditional Nigerian culture, and they were paranoid about you and your younger brother falling in with a bad crowd or just running into trouble, right? So they would pick you up from school, drop you off, for example, make sure you didn't go out and have sleepovers with friends. But ironically, what they didn't realise was that the enemy was already in the house in the form of the internet. (laughs) It had infiltrated (laughs) your actual bedroom and was piping all sorts of bad influences and dangerous content right there to your desktop. They probably wouldn't even have known that, right? Right. None at all. They
1: didn't understand the internet.
0: And what kind of... I mean, you've talked a lot about how much online porn you were watching and probably still watch, right? And your book, which I hesitate to even call a book. <laughs> that book is a mistake. Do you think it was a mistake? Why? Because of how much you talk about masturbating? No, it just
1: if I could redo something, I'd definitely redo that and just never put it out there ever. I don't know. I kind of just rebelled... That's why I called the book I'm a end. I just wanted to be controversial and just annoy people.
0: <laughs> why do you think you wanted to do that? At the time, I thought it was funny. I thought it was cool. It felt real <laughs> too, right? It's a bit like what you just said about swearing, which is that, oh, I know this is something I'm not supposed to do and probably people have an issue with it. Therefore, there's something about it that feels right.
1: Yeah. I finally got out of the cage that my parents had put me in and I was able to just be free. I was able to actually, you know, do sleepovers, and I was able to just really just go out, party, and just do everything that I'd missed out on when I was a kid. And I think I just went nuts.
0: In my early 20s, I had an idea to write a book about masturbation called The Complete Wanker. The idea was <laughs> it was going to be modelled on The Complete Angler, which is a 17th-century fishing manual by Isaac Walton. And I thought it was something funny about taking it this very old school template of English literature and using it to describe the most intimate and embarrassing activity. Now, I never did it, but in a way you did do it. You sort of did your version of it, which was I'm a bellend. (laughs) But I'm interested to hear you say you think that it was a mistake because it's a kind of a book for people who aren't interested in books, I would say. It doesn't have a a continuous (laughs) narrative. But what makes you think that it was a mistake?
1: Um, just the things I would say in there, like a lot of time, a lot of things I don't even remember. I haven't, I don't have
0: You haven't word. read it, have you? The it, other it, thought it, I had when I was, when I was reading, I thought, okay, it's one of those books where... One of those YouTuber books. thrown together <laughs> and he probably yeah. got some people to put it together and did he read it is the real question. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't. <laughs> You got me. (laughs) You Um, did read it. Tell me you read it. You actually read it.
1: I read bits of it, but... Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's one of those things where, you know, a lot of YouTubers were doing it. At the time, I said yes to a lot of things because I needed money. Like, I wanted to make enough money to allow me to do more things in the future, etc. It's me as a kid. You could tell, like, that is an old KSI. It was about, what was it, (laughs)
0: five years ago?
1: Yeah, five, six years ago, yeah.
0: I think that's the other thing which strikes me is that when you've run into difficulties, without going into too much detail on it, but it's from this urge, I think, to provoke or to engage people by being edgy and provocative, right? So you had a bit of trouble because you asked sexually inappropriate, borderline, harassive questions at a a gaming conference that made some of the women you were talking to, from what I could see, I could only see the video... Uncomfortable. Yeah, uncomfortable. You've deleted yeah. that and I think you apologized for it, did you?
1: Yes, several times. You've got to remember I as a kid was brought into this world where I was just gaining an audience and the audience was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They were starting to dictate the content that I would put out. So I would try things and you know certain things would do well. A lot of the time the edgy things would do really, really well. Views were important, you know, I saw the likes and the comments and I saw all of that positivity, and I was like, okay, i got to keep pushing it, keep pushing it, keep pushing it. That's kind of why I kind of relate to Logan Paul. I saw that he had to try and push the boundaries more and more and more and more, try and boost the views more and more. He got to a point where he saw the whole suicide victim and saw views instead of anything logically. In
0: Japan, this was, wasn't it?
1: Yes. So with me... I did the same. I didn't care about these women. I was just like this is just a chance for me to get more views, etc. and this is what the people want, so I'm going to give them what they want, etc. And you know, that's one of the reasons why I took a break in 2017 to realize what I wanted in life and what I wanted my brand to be of like it got to a point where I was just making content for the people and not for me, and I felt I needed to change that.
0: What was it called the video?
1: being awkward in public or something like that. So it's
0: framed as awkwardness, which is one of the things that, again, I slightly relate to because people have said about a lot of the documentaries I've made that I'm awkward. (laughs) And in a weird way, that's part of what I do. Although I'm sometimes a bit confused by it because I don't try and be awkward. I like to try and be suave insofar as it's possible. (laughs) You know, I actually do not try and, and go out and offend people when I'm doing stories But I suppose that what I also do is try and get to the truth about something. And I feel as a a journalist, it's my job to peel away the layers. And specifically, if there's something glaringly obvious that is unspoken, but is clearly an issue, that it's my job to ask it, which kind of creates awkward moments. What struck me when I watched that video, which was yesterday, was that you actually Mm. deliver the cheeky, borderline, harassive questions with surprising poise and I thought I wonder how stressed he got before doing this and you said earlier in this interview you used to break out into a sweat when thinking about talking to girls and then yeah, here yeah. you are going up to girls saying things like I don't know what do you do when you're not fingering yourself was one of them right <laughs> I just wondered whether was that stressful I'm not trying to give you a hard time but did you just have to get into
1: a game mode that's that's literally it like, as soon as the camera was on I was like Okay, let's go. And I'll just zone in. But, like, after that, i just become awkward again. I just wouldn't know how to interact. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, I wouldn't know how to talk to them normally. But, like, because of the camera and the mic, I was able to just become a different person and just be this character that allowed me to say the crazy things that I would say.
0: And probably if one of them had come up to you afterwards, I don't know, maybe they did, and said, I'm really off camera and said, I'm really upset by what you just did. I would have shot myself.
1: Uh, Oh, no, it was just for the video. I'm so sorry. You strike me as someone with a
0: work ethic, right? Yes. And maybe that's above and beyond anything else, notwithstanding your other talents. You're someone who's absolutely work-focused. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like, I think working hard beats talent 100% of the time. I've always said that I'm not talented with the whole YouTube, with music, you know, boxing, blah, blah, blah. Like I'm not talented. Anything I do, I just work hard to the point which allows me to reach a level similar to people that would be talented and then break beyond that.
0: You know, I'm going to disagree with you that you're not talented, but I think what you've said is very true in the sense that I think it's a great working assumption to have in life in a weird way, that you're not talented, which sounds counterintuitive because a lot of people say you've got to believe in yourself. But I think what you've got to believe in is the idea that if you work hard, you can achieve something. But if you imagine because you're talented, therefore it will come easily, you are setting yourself up to fail, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's just been the driving thing in my life, just making sure I believe in myself. But if I just sit down and expect things to happen, it's not going to happen. And that's why I you know, started YouTube by myself, you know, to create something, to make something happen. And I've done everything to make something happen in my life. And now, you know, I've built this empire.
0: I like that of... empire. So you're an emperor now. Oh, for God's <laughs> sake! <laughs> Let me ask you something which is related to that. You know, I don't often get a chance to talk to someone in their mid 20s, right? And this world of okay. Tinder, I believe now you're in a Relationship. relationship. So this is yes. this is going back. Yeah. This is going back. In your book, you talk about giving okay. advice to people on Tinder. One of them is always swipe right, which basically means say <laughs> yes to anyone.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because that's what I do. Back in the day, anyone that would accept me, <laughs> eventually you'll find one. Is it a hookup app? Well, I mean, I haven't been on it in a while now. Oh, I don't but think it's changed much. I- Oh, really? Why? I guess so. Then yeah, yeah. Then yes. I mean, at the time it was, I pretty much used it as a way to just you know find girls and just bish bash bosh and then move on to bish, the next bish bash bosh. Obviously, uh, I met my girlfriend through Did Tinder. You? Yeah, yeah. And I thought she was just another one that I was just gonna take off the list, but uh, this is so I, I actually liked her. <laughs> <laughs> But you've got to remember, because of like who I am, I'm there thinking, oh, I'm not going to find Why? real love. Well, it's because... You're, you you know, were I've on there created, as KSI. I put my real name, JJ Olatunji, but a lot of people knew me as KSI. You know, I was becoming to the point where I was getting that famous that a lot of people re- would recognise me and would just swipe yes because they know who I am. So, so would so, you get yeah. repeat custom... No, I tend not to because it just gets complicated. So I tend to just see one girl and, you know, once... (laughs) This sounds so bad, but, like, again, this is at the time when I was, like, a proper player and all that. This is when I was literally... All the shackles, all the chains were let loose and everything. I would just, like, get a girl... Get to a point where I was like, "Okay, like I don't want to see her anymore." On to the next girl. Okay, I'm done with her. Next girl. I like. I just kept going, kept going, and kept going. This is all literally just before 2017. I was just all over the place with like my mindset and just my morals and everything. After 2017 is when I got like integrity tattooed on me and knowledge and strength. All of this tattooed on me, and I wanted to just change as a person because I felt like I was just. All over the place with everything that I, I was doing. It
0: sounds like you were going through some sex addiction. Probably, but it
1: makes sense why. Because, you know, I had parents that just stopped me from doing any of
0: that. When you ended it, how did you tend to do that? I just air them. Is that the same as ghosting? <laughs> yeah, I'll ghost them, yeah. Which for the people who don't know means you just stop replying.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just stop replying, yeah. Because I felt like there's no. Right way to end it, if that makes sense. There's all to go. Oh, okay, I'm not feeling this anymore. I, it just it would be awkward because I I know a lot of girls would just be like, oh no, but like I can change or I can do this, I can do that. So I would just ignore it. I just cut it off and just air it. Just it's just easier for me and
0: them. I felt <laughs> I feel like I've had an education. So you've talked a bit about 2017 as a kind of moment of crisis, maybe a moment of regrouping, of stepping away in order to rebuild, right? Is that fair?
1: Yes. What happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just took a six-month break from online and everything, social media, I just cut it all off. And I was like, I need to find myself. I just felt lost as a person. I was like, I'm just making all this content, for other people and I'm not really making content that I want to make.
0: It must be... Tell me if this is right or wrong, but I can only imagine that when you're creating your own content and then you're having to feed the beast, right? Because every day there are people thinking, is there going to be a new KSI video out? And you're having to sort of cannibalise your own life by filming yourself, Mm. whether it's gaming or doing something. The separation between your work and your life is also rather porous. Like there's no clear... Bright line between them that that could get into your head, you know. You could start to think, Well, where's the place where I get to be the real me? I mean, was that part of what you were dealing with? Yeah,
1: I'd say so. Like, I just like the whole character of me being KSI and then JJ, it didn't make sense to me. Like, it was just all over the place. I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but like in my head, I wasn't where I felt like I needed to be. I wasn't right. I felt like the best thing to do was just take a break. Where did you go? I went everywhere, man. <laughs> I went everywhere, so I went to Vegas, I went to Texas, a couple of European countries. I just traveled i traveled and was a lot it around
0: and then that you erased just... a bunch of your old videos? Oh, wow, you've really done your research, yeah, I deleted a lot Why? a lot of videos because they were offensive or because you thought they were no good, or because you were just wanted to just destroy things. I just felt it wasn't me. I know I was kind of,
1: like, disgusted at my past. I don't know, I just was... I wasn't happy with myself. I just wasn't happy with what I was doing, so I just I just wanted to just get rid of it. I just wanted to just start again.
0: Did you feel like that break helped? Like, did that help you to reset?
1: Well, I think it was the best thing of my life. I went to Ghana as well. I know I found myself. I had direction in my life and I knew what I wanted and there was something about me, like I just had a different suave about me. I was like, I don't care what anyone thinks. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I don't care if I don't get any views on it. I don't care if I don't get any likes. I'm just going to make content that I enjoy.
0: I mean, we've talked about this for a while, so I don't want to get bogged down in, but you've said that you'd lost your compass, more or less. You weren't happy with who you were and what you were doing, but you haven't been specific about what part of it you weren't happy with? Like, what did you drop and what did you focus on?
1: It was just, like, the content I was making. It was just too... uh, I'd say it's cringe. I'm trying to think of a word that can make more sense. Um, Cringe is my 12-year-old's
0: favourite word, incidentally. It's kind of one of those culturally decisive, determining words. You know, the word cringe has come to define so much about life now. And everything... (laughs) But for a lot of kids nowadays, something succeeds or fails depending on whether or not it's cringe. Yeah. But anyway, that's fine. I didn't mean to hijack your thought. No, no, no. Why was it cringe? Cringe really just means awkward or inauthentic.
1: Yeah, yeah. It just didn't feel real. I felt disgusted in myself with, like, past videos. I just wasn't happy with the direction I was going, and i I didn't have any direction youtube wise music wise as well what I wanted to cringe do cringe
0: can also be I, like I overly just... sincere though can't it like I remember seeing a video of yours in which you talk about where your name comes from and you post it, and you say it's one of the most cringe worthy videos i've ever made, but it was one of the earliest ones that took off It is a bit <sighs> cringe, but I think it's a bit cringe because. <laughs> You're talking very sincerely about yourself and about the origin of your name. Does that ring a bell? No, that was the first
1: version of me on the internet. Like, people saw my face for the first time
0: there. It was funny. It reminded me of something my kids might post on on a YouTube channel.
1: Oh, you're, gosh. Just,
0: you're just seeing a kid in his room, sort of making it up as he goes along, trying to think <laughs> about what people... Might be interested in. Anyway, listen, I'm aware I've taken a lot of your time. Can I come on to one last thing no, if you've got right. time? Yeah, sure. We started by talking about beefs, right? And one thing that I noticed is that in the last year or two, there's been this ongoing, I don't know if it's died off now, but beef with your younger brother that your parents have been yeah. roped into. You know, having said that some of the beefs yeah. don't seem real, this one really struck me as seeming quite real and quite painful because yeah. it's, from what I can tell... Divided your family up, right? That your parents are sort of yeah on your younger brother's side. He's accused you of being emotionally and physically abusive when you were coming up together. Yeah. And I think you said that you were kicked out of the family home and that your Christmas and birthdays are now more or less cancelled, right? Because you can't spend them with your family. What's going on with that?
1: <sighs> I wish it wasn't public, but... It is. I'd say that's one of, like, the toughest parts of my career. I don't know. It's... Yeah, I don't know. It's... Yeah, it's... I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. Sorry.
0: I'm almost pleased to hear you say that, because what that says to me is that that there's a part of your life that you've got the maturity now to realise doesn't need to be put out in the public yeah. arena as much as it might become viral or people would click on it, that it's not necessarily for public consumption. Because, okay, your younger brother's a YouTuber, so you could argue beefing with him is one thing, but your parents are private people. You know, the idea of damaging your relationship with your parents or not doing your utmost to mend it, even though you know there's an audience for that kind of conflict... I think that yeah, shows a lot of yeah. wisdom in in sort of on your part if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Are you <laughs> in a better place?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in a much that. better place. Yeah, with my parents anyway. I guess, yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know it's one of those things where I think this whole social media thing has Misguided and changed how people factor things, if that makes sense. You know, views make you money and clicks is what everyone goes for, etc. Like it kind of just sways people's focus and what really matters. And uh, yeah, I guess it's just yeah. I don't know. I've always, I've always not wanted that to be public, but it's one of those things where. You know you can't. You know it takes two to tango, and you can't stop it sometimes. So, you know I'm I'm doing my best to try and, yeah, just keep it off off online because yeah, like you said, people don't need to see that. People don't need to see everything about my life. Yeah, I, I I I'll address it when I need to address it, in the form that I want to address it in. But yeah, like. When I made that video responding to my bro, it's you know it it sucked a lot because you know he's my brother, but I mean that's not really much you can do when someone's set in their ways. I don't know if that made any sense, but yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Louis, you're doing your thing. (laughs) My girlfriend's read your book. You're doing this on purpose, where you don't say anything.
0: (laughs) As a person of colour on the web as well, the web is sort of extremely racist in places, right? Yeah. And, you know, especially in comment threads, there's a level of racism in comments under YouTube videos that you would, to my mind, never experience, correct me if I'm wrong, in real life, no, no, none at all. Is that difficult for you to deal with? You seem to take no, it no, your stride. No, strong. no, I'm
1: used to it now. If anything, if someone calls me the N-word, I just laugh. It doesn't affect me anymore. I've been doing this long enough to know, like, it's just not to be affected by it. Yeah.
0: Online, it's... but in real life it would be different. Online, yeah.
1: Real life, yeah, it would be very different in real life. If someone actively said what they would say online to me in my face, I would probably have a different reaction... And I'd have to control myself. <laughs> I think through the boxing as well. It's it's definitely matured me and helped me control my emotions a lot more than before. It.
0: Listen, I don't want. I I really appreciate. I know you're a busy man, no, that's and, okay. and I really appreciate. No,
1: I appreciate talking to you as well, oh, man. My like, it's an honour.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness! Please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's very. Should we let's invite Catherine and Paul? And just make sure we haven't missed anything. I think yeah, we covered sure. a lot of ground. Like, I really appreciate what you had to say on all the different stuff we touched on. And do you think that was great, guys? I think there's a lot there. That's it. Covered masturbating. <laughs> yeah. Book writing. Oh, not writing. yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's brilliant. You've been listening to Grounded with Louis Theroux. My guest today has been boxer, rapper, property magnate, actor, influencer, but most of all YouTube phenomenon... Olegide Olatunji, better known as KSI. Next week, it's the turn of BAFTA-winning actor and outspoken raconteur Miriam Margulies. Remember, there are more conversations in the series. Just search for Grounded with Louis Theroux wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. This has been a Mindhouse production for BBC Radio 4, put together remotely by Paul Kobrak and Catherine Monan. Not my nan, Monan. When the world gets you down, music can help you through. In 2017, my life took a bit of a bad turn. And the way I coped was by listening to as many records from the previous year as I could. I'm James A. Caster, and I believe that 2016 is the greatest year for music ever. I've been listening to it backwards. Backwards? I've been listening to it backwards. So on my podcast, me and my comedian friends will discuss my favourite albums of that year in order to convince every single one of you
1: too. Yeah, that's a classic album right there. James Acaster's Perfect Sounds. Listen now on BBC Sounds.